Welcome everyone to the 31st episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Cozella here with Nick Tartaglia. Nick, it's Friday, man. Friday. On? A cold day too. We just had a good week though. It was a good week. It was, it was a great week. Um, but, yeah. And but we're, then uh, the, you know, the markets as usual. And then interestingly, last week and a half, the night of elections, there was a lot of le- legal uh, policies that kind of went through in the United States side. And I think this is something that doesn't get talked about because of the foreshadow of the political figures that are at the forefront of this crazy election. Um, but there were a lot of states last week that legalized uh, psilocybin, mushrooms, even cannabis as well. Yeah, so. It was all on the same night of the election. I remember that I was watching and I'm getting news and I'm like, I'm not seeing it anywhere else, just through my little sources of, uh, of uh, news. And so it was, it was interesting to did it the exact same night, kind of like to cover it up. So it's one thing I think both Democrats and Republicans can agree on is recreational and med- medicinal use of various drugs and psilocybin and mushrooms. So it's a perfect segue for our guest today. Um, without further ado, this gentleman here has had a top radio show host uh, for over 20 years. Um, he's very well known in the six, also known as the GTA, um, and has recently moved on from mainstream media to really concentrate uh, on an industry that I think he's really passionate about. Um, his story is basically one of North America's most professional and effective brand ambassadors and influencers. He's worked with Canopy Growth, Samsung, Canada Goose, Canadian Tire and Boveda, or Bovida, I think it's Boveda, I mispronounced that probably. Uh, and this guy right now is the leader of a company called Red Light Holland. Welcome to the New Gen Mindset Podcast, Todd Shapiro. Dan, Nick, what a pleasure, boys. Great to be here. Cheers, Friday afternoon, <laughs> right? I got a classy guy, a classy Bud Light. I love it. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Good, good little beer, beer league, beer league hockey attire too. I'm loving it right now, man. Right, nice, you know, ready nice. to strap them up, sharpen the elbows, boys. Let's go. <laughs> Let's fire them up, baby. It's getting tough. So yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on, yeah. man. Uh, Thank you. We really appreciate it. Let me just cut that out. And um, look, I think this is really big because the development and the excitement in this particular space has really taken off. And a lot of our listeners have been, Nick and I did a quick little episode on the shroom boom, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, so tell us like, what have you guys been working on right now and where do you see this space going uh, into the future, given obviously what's been happening uh, on the legislative level, level in the United States? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, you know, first off, I, you know, before I forget, it, it, I would be remiss if I didn't say what a pleasure, um, what it is for me, Nick, anyway, talking to the future uh, conservative leader, uh, Dan Cozell here of, of the oh, Canadian oh. Conservative Party. What a, what a, I, I, it's unreal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm dead. I love <laughs> day, it. Right? Okay. I love that. Um, no, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, you know, you use the shroom boom, and I've seen that on the Twitter hashtag shroom boom. And I got to tell you, as, as the CEO of Red Light Holland, uh, Dan and Nick, you know, I, I'm careful with, with sort of the, because the, the, you hear that, and to me that alludes sort of like pumpiness. It alludes like, you know, shroom boom. Is, you know, I, I don't think that um, people should be looking at the sector as like a big boom because clearly it's, it's early, early days and we're yeah. very early. And, you know, early days in terms of understanding what this regulatory framework will look like, what countries will open them up sooner rather than later. And of course, looking in terms of, you know, what will the medicinal and scientific sort of research or medical research provide? You know, so, so you know, there's two angles to look at this rec and medical and that's where i would compare it to cannabis on the on the on sort of in that aspect but not necessarily in the stock aspect of things and you know i'm super careful we're we're, we're slowly trying to build the business we're trying to create shareholder value so um uh, but i'm excited because i will say i don't even think we're in inning one that's what even with the announcements we recently heard uh, so we're really excited so um, sorry, I'm a little long-winded in that reply, but you know, to answer your question, what we just saw, uh, you know, in in the night of the election, or is it like is the election still going on, right? So, going like, on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Like, um, you know, you, you always think of Christmas Eve, but it's the 12 days of Christmas. Is it like the 12 days of the election? Like, how many days? <laughs> 
It's like it's like uh, what's his name, Tom Hanks in the I forget what movie that is, but there's that meme that's going around. It's like, well, I guess it's election day again, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's amazing. Um, so so you know, long story short, though, we saw DC decriminalize uh, a bunch of different drugs, including psilocybin, and and we saw, I think, most importantly, what we saw in Oregon was also decriminalized, but you know, them actually setting up to say we will legalize on some sort of sort of therapeutic prescribed level psilocybin. Uh, I think what people don't know about it and people are just jumping in going, oh my God, I can go and you know, buy magic mushrooms in, in Oregon. That's not the case right now. Um, they will take, a, from what I've understood and what I've read um, in terms of what they're achieving to do for re a regulatory framework is taking two years. They're going to take the next two years to carefully write the laws around how they prescribe magic mushrooms and you know maybe even magic truffles because that's where psilocybin is 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 in and that's that's the business i'm in over in the netherlands so big big announcements or new jersey came out even just today saying they were going to decriminalize drugs but there is a difference from decriminalization and legalization what i would say uh, you know dan and nick and, and you know for those listening and watching is that these are typically the steps you take to it being legal one day you know this is basically cops turning a blind eye you're allowed certain amounts of you know whatever narcotic it is that would typically get you arrested now you're not as long as you're not manufacturing it distributing it in forms in terms of you know illegal ways and usually a certain amount is what they put on there um it, it's basically governments going you know what drugs exist uh we'd like to think that people will use them responsibly and why are we going to get in the way and create a drug war right now especially when you're seeing a lot of these defund the police movements are we even going to have funds to worry about you know what they think of as whether it's petty theft and petty crime or in this case more acceptance and i think that's the most beautiful thing we're starting to see more acceptance within governments you know what's interesting is that when you're just talking about the regular the regulatory component of it is if I go back, if I test back four, uh, four years ago, five, six years ago, when Trudeau first announced that he wanted to potentially look at the idea of, of um, bringing about decriminalization of marijuana and allowing an actual market for it, that's when my first head was like, there's a thought that's finally been had by someone younger. And that's when I officially stepped into the financial markets. When I he heard him say that, in my mind, I, thought, I, I saw there was a little gap that had opened up. And now you're starting to see that gap in the United States in North America. You just finally see that little gap. And over time, that gap will just expand. And it's playing that thesis. So it is definitely, for me, a thesis to stay that started. And that's going to definitely penetrate the culture in North America. I personally think so, especially as a millennial. Yeah. And listen, this is what we like to hear as a company. So, you know, a little bit of background with Red Light Holland, for those who don't know, we're publicly traded, we're on the CSC, we're on the uh, OTC, but you know, it's just the grays or the pinks or whatever. Um, we're also in Germany. Uh, TRIP is the main symbol under the CSE. We, within the legal framework of the Netherlands, we sell magic truffles. So yes. we're growing them, we've created them into a microdose, a pack, uh, it's really well branded, I microdose, you know, again, we're doing everything within the legalities and we're promoting responsible use with education and information behind it. And, and you know, back to like sort of, like, you know, if you think of it as a millennial investor, well, I can never tell anybody to go buy a stock, I'll never give you price projections, any of that kind of stuff. I think it's interesting for investors to go, well, wait a second, I've used this product. I anecdotally like what this product has done for me. We saw that in cannabis. And by the way, I don't like the fact that they've told me when I say they, you know, governments of what not to use, especially if I'm using it responsibly. And, and to me, it's, it's not only like, you know, a millennial investor looking at this stuff and, and, you know, helping opening up their eyes to the markets, but also, you know, we thank the millennials and we thank this younger generation. Listen, I'm 47 years old, right? We took our time, man. We were patient. We didn't fight authorities. We were careful. You know, uh, you know, the idea of cannabis being legal still in this country sometimes blows my mind away. I mean, I remember being behind the billiards plaza, you know, where we'd shoot pool and go smoke a joint and literally look over our shoulder like we're going to get arrested every two seconds about it to add to the paranoia of cannabis because I don't do so well with it. But I, I also think that, you know, social movements are what differs your generation from my generation, meaning they are so damn powerful these days 
that let's be honest, if you created a Facebook group and got mm. 10,000 people or Instagram or Twitter, or however you want to organize it or parlor, Dan, you know, and said, listen, let's, you know, we want to get together and, and just, we're going to just openly go and do magic mushrooms. We're getting them illegally because they're available in most countries. Anyway, you just order them online and we're just going to start uh, tagging our government officials and saying, we're doing the stuff. Come find us because it's natural and we want it. We think, you know, as a company that we're paying attention to these social movements because people are just open about it, which I think in turn, and again, this is all very hypothetical and long way down the road, but in turn could allow governments to go, well, wait a second, people are using it anyway. We're not cracking down on it. We're starting to decriminalize it. We're starting to legalize it through therapeutic sources. And at this point, if people just want it and they're using it, well, maybe why don't we just tax it? Uh, and, you know, make it legal, create a framework around it like they did in Canada for cannabis. So, you know, it'd be really interesting next, you know, five, 10, 15 years for sure. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a really interesting new speculative space, but I think the future is very bright. Well, it, it, part of speculation is about understanding the horizon. And if this is a new story, no one could be looking at this this theme or this storyline and saying, well, this applies to the boomers or the generational X, this applies to the millennials and the younger ones. So when you understand that the, the future of the ecosystem of our economy, you kind of start understanding, well, it aligns with the generation. It aligns with the mindset of how people don't want to be suppressed from potentially trying things, especially when it appears to be more of one that is just pure through suppression and not with real scientific background to really support that suppression of that specific drug in quotations I'll put because it depends on how people want to define the term drugs. But it's, it's a story that's, that's coming just like marijuana became something incredible. I, it's def, I, I see the story. So I, and I like the way you used kind of analyze the social trends and stuff because the social network kind of creates a lot of power for people. So, and, and you could see the results. Yeah. And, and listen, not to kind of pat our own backs here, but listen, as a confident, you know, CEO and new to the capital markets, but you know, if I was a private company, I'd probably be telling you a lot more things because I wouldn't worry how that someone might deem that would affect the share price or something. But it, you know, in our case, you know, I hear you use the word story. We're actually really, really kind of pleased to know like this isn't a story. Like we have product on shelves right now in the Netherlands. Like it's really, you know, we've, we're growing, we're, we're, we're you know, we, we've got it onto, into, uh, we have help with a wholesaler. We also have just delivered fridges ourselves. I was in the Netherlands a month ago to the smart shops uh, where you can buy, you know, the magic truffle in its natural unprocessed raw form and buy it in a microdose fashion with, with education, a pamphlet. So, you know, we like the fact that we're real, but we can tell the story on exactly. how maybe over time, mm -hmm. this is a product that could be, that be, could be given to potentially the masses. And, and sorry, you know, to keep rambling, but I also love what you said in terms of the fact that there is kind of a generation that wants, I think basically what you're saying is natural based medicines. You know, this yeah. is a fungi, plant-based, however you want to look at it, as opposed to a prescribed medication that clearly, especially when it comes to mental health, uh, we're learning doesn't work all the time and, and sadly doesn't work because we're seeing friends and family members not only trying a bunch of different medications that are prescribed, but also potentially getting addicted to others, uh, like, you know, some pain medications and things. So, you know, what has Big Pharma done wrong and why can't we get natural-based products? And I'm under the belief that we should be able to give people natural-based products as long as they're known to give them, well, A, we got to give them to adults, and B, we, they need to understand there are contraindications still. You don't just sort of give them away. You got to make sure that people are educated and informed. Todd, never apologize for being passionate, by the way. Never. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, it's, man. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's good, though. No, I, I've been following uh, Red Light Holland for about uh, since, since the lockdown, actually. And um, you guys had an event recently that was really cool. I saw the pictures and whatnot. Um, Netherlands. Why did you decide to pick yeah. the Netherlands in particular? I know the obvious answer is, well, they're famous for doing all kinds of stuff there. But what what really stood out for you and why, why did you start there in that spot particularly? Yeah. And, and quite concisely, it really is because of the legal framework that we first got our legal opinion in and understood that we could create a, a market there. You know, we could create a product and have a marketplace to sell to. So that's why we went there, quite frankly. Um, it was also, we, we are, you know, within our network who founded the company, there was an individual named Hans Derricks who is from a town called Horst, Horses a couple hours south of Amsterdam just to, you know, give people some sort of geography on it. And um, 
he he is such an amazing guy because if you're going to you know a foreign country to start a company you need some sort of residency there essentially you need someone who understands the landscape understands the language understands the people understands the culture and most under, uh, most importantly i think understands hard work uh, and he understands hard work uh, the town that he grows in it, it grew up in is known as a mushroom town like a, a normal mushroom not magic mushroom like you know they do a lot of mushroom farmers there that supply restaurants and other countries for grocery chains etc so hans is down there that also was like a piece to the puzzle that really made sense here uh, and that's one thing is that you know a, a ceo of a company that i would always advise people that if you are looking to do work and you know you can use legalities to help sort of expedite your idea uh you better know people within that land because if you just go there thinking you can make it work well i got news for you it's not going to happen hans speaks the language hans has given us so many introductions hans is excuse me that's the bud light talking he is so <laughs> he is so damn committed because he is a passion he used to be in, in drug rehabilitation that's what he used to be a counselor um and and it was always his mission to help save people and he read so much about psilocybin uh and without ever making medical claims because of course nobody can do that yet and you know there's studies and studies coming out but nothing really quite totally proven yet uh hans's mission is not only to you know run a company a company carefully uh, but also help help people and he's an amazing guy if I had to ask you one speculative type of question in the sense that, <clears throat> okay, clearly I, it's, you, I personally don't know many countries that are working towards the legality component or decriminalizing component. If you were to kind of draw a river, like a line through different countries that you, you see yourself funneling through over time, where do you see yourself kind of moving towards to? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because, I laugh because a simple approach is like just Wikipedia or just Google, you know, what countries can you buy psilocybin in legally? You know, so if you Google that, you'd come up with Brazil, Bulgaria, Jamaica. You'd maybe question, could I go into Mexico, depending on what you, you read? Um, you, you know, you hear some small islands are considering it as well, you know, smaller than Jamaica. And, and you'll go, okay, well, let's explore these countries. And then you'll go, well, maybe now we can explore Oregon so we can explore the United States as well. So what I would say is, you know, and, and I think it's fair to say it's speculative, but, you know, if you have a brand and, and, and you only have limited markets to, to have, you know, potential sales, of course you're going to look, I think it would be irresponsible of any management not to consider how you could get to those potential countries. So, you know, you look because they're, they're limited, but you obviously want as many, as much revenues as possible. So yeah, that's, that's the, yeah, I think what I named would be like a river, you know, that, that okay, line. Cool, cool. And, and you, you got to look carefully. Do you think that Europe in itself is also kind of expanding that towards that as a whole Euro, um, like kind of collective yeah, you know, Nick, it's interesting. Portugal, I believe it was yeah. about 10 years ago. You know, they were one of the first countries to really decriminalize all drugs. And, and what's really fascinating about Portugal, you know, Portugal's story is they took out of 100% of a budget, uh, that 90% of it used to be used for policing and enforcement, you know, you know, jail, you know, all this kind of stuff. And 10% was for rehabilitation and education. And then, you know, when they decriminalize all drugs, they simply reverse those numbers. And, you know, it might be a little bit, you know, um, you know, guessing the exact numbers, but that, that's what's been said has been told, you know, what we've heard. Uh, so 10% would go to just policing and enforcement, 90% to education, rehabilitation, to information, to, to care. And you know what the result is? less suicides, less addictions, less health issues, less jail time. So if you start to think about that model and how that model's worked, who's to say that that model can't work for everybody? And then couple that with potential legalization, like now we're seeing with cannabis. And, you know, people want to use this stuff responsibly. That's what we're learning. It's almost like what you can't, if you can't have it, then you almost abuse it. And if you can have it, you sort of, you know, you're, you're more careful about it. That's at least, you know, I think that's almost human nature. Yeah, no, I entirely agree with you. I know that I, I, I know exactly what the references you're talking about in Europe, in the Portugal, because when I got into the marijuana space, by default in my mind, I kind of connected it also to the mushroom because I knew that a lot of the data and the science, the, the correlation was very, there was no real causality between overconsumption and just having bad, like bad outcomes. There was no real causality. It was just vague cor cor uh, correlations. So I didn't really believe it. So in my mind, I dwelled into the space and I saw those exact same studies. I saw studies talking about how they believe that one of the best ways to help people kind of 
come out of um, an addiction of other type of substances, mushrooms or forms of the forms of it would help with that process. We, we are seeing so many incredible studies right now, and, and, and a lot of it's still very early. And by the way, we have a science and innovation division called Scarlet Lily, and, and our intentions within Scarlet Lily are to sort of support the science and the medical while being able to say, you know, as red light, we promote recreational, uh, support it carefully, and, you know, look towards what we can do that, that you know, show what you're talking about. And it, it is like, it's unreal what we're hearing about. A, they're saying there's no addictive qualities to psilocybin. They're saying that yes, indeed, it can potentially help you wean off of the, you know, heroines or opioids or, you know, the much harder drugs. And, and, and you know, for anyone who's, you know, I always put it out to the people because, and this is the issue I have with being a CEO of a, of a publicly traded company is that I can't sort of speak the way I used to speak as Radio Todd. But, you know, I ask the people, I go like, you know, how many people have used magic mushrooms? And literally, I would say 95% of people I know that, that, that I've known or talked to in my life, and that's a lot of people, say they've used it and say they friggin' loved it, you know? And, and to the point where I'll carefully say this, I, I really believe that, you know, especially in small doses, dosages, the way we're selling it as a microdose, which are very few contraindications. And, you know, I'm not making a medical claim, but I'm just saying go and read the evidence on that where people say, you know, essentially, you know, unless you're mixing it with other medicines, which you should never do, potentially you're bipolar, which you shouldn't have it. Uh, you know, if you're pregnant, of course, you shouldn't have it, all these types of things. Minimize your um, risks, minimize your risks. Yeah. Minimize your risks. Yeah, so, you know, of course I get it. I and what I would say is if I were to compare it to cannabis, man, and, you know, listen, I, I don't mind saying this, but, you know, some of these edibles, like they, they will mess you right up. Like, like even, you know, and, 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 you know, if you're microdosing psilocybin, I don't think anyone would ever say, and maybe they would, and, you know, let, you know, then I'd be proved wrong, of course, but they would never come back to go, that stuff messed me right up. Like, I just don't think you'll hear that. But if you take a little edible, I, you know, people, I hear that all the time. So it's really interesting because it all comes down to stigmas. And, I'm gonna, and, uh, I'm, I want to just say that as, okay, because I've tried mushrooms, okay? I tried it. One of my friends, we did it together. We went to, we went up north, we relaxed. It was a nice day. We did it together. And honestly, it was not at all what I thought it would be in the sense that it wasn't bad. And me being a numbers guy, my mind just dwelt, like kind of went deeper into just my mind of how I think with numbers and markets and just you became story. like you became like the Alan from uh, the I, it just it, it just it amplified like at the poker table all the numbers <laughs> are coming in his face it, yeah. it amplified my brain like honestly like I really enjoyed the thought process brain that I was man. having and I just wanted to and I was enjoying it I was really enjoying it and the other thing I'll say is there was no down after either I went right back to a mellow I went right back to normal whereas weed has a it, you want maybe I want to take a nap or you want to take a shower just to get out of it. There was no down effect. And I, so for me, honestly, the potential of microdosing is very appealing to me because the way I like to look at things, it, it only amplified it. So I've got nothing bad to say personally. No, and, and listen, I mean, again, I'm, I'm super, cause I don't want to sound overly promotional, right? Of so, course, you know, and I always tell people, especially when it comes to stock, to always do your due diligence, blah, 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 you know? And, and, but when it comes to anecdotally, Todd, now I, I completely concur with you. It is, it's, you know, uh, anecdotally, when I use magic mushrooms or magic truffles specifically, cause you know, I was in the Netherlands for three and a half weeks and I was here three weeks, I guess. And I was using it. Um, unbelievable for what it does for my brain and focus and thought unbelievable what it does to control my uh, did to control my anxiety and and you know and which i suffer a lot of believe it or not and a lot of people find that hard to believe but it, it's amazing you know and this is what i always say also just go and ask people it's really simple you know we hear reports and the science is science but also just ask people they're the science we have the world's biggest clinical trials right in front of us people have been doing it for years and years and years so just go and talk to them about it and and you know find out what they say hashtag microdose on twitter and read people's experiences it's like almost that simple and you hear really these wonderful wonderful messages of connection of of enjoying life of living in the moment and and very very few if i, I don't even think i can find any online of negative experiences you see i think i think that this is a, this is more of like a uh an observational kind of speculation in the sense that I think that it helps kind of suppress people's ego. So people become kind of more open to just processing information for what it is and not for what it actually means to them personally and their feelings. So there's kind of that ego barrier kind of gets suppressed. So people kind of just, 
they see things and instead of concluding right away, they'll just keep absorbing whatever's coming around and they just go with the flow more, which is what normally happens when people tend to suppress their egos. So it was very, I find it very fascinating in that sense that I find that it could do so much more good for the culture in terms of connectiveness because clearly we've dependent, we're, we're very big on this consumer behavior. So we consume, consume drugs, we consume products, but this consuming thing, we're, we're kind of stuck in this vicious cycle. But this is kind of a product that doesn't require dependency. It just kind of helps you escape it, but it's still within the realms of reality. And I gotta hire. I gotta hire this guy. Can I? Can I? <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> the job interview, Nick. Well done. <laughs> no, honestly, it's 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 a. I honestly find it very cool as an investor, as someone who likes markets, who likes the psychology of it, who can't honestly, like you said, there's you can't find bad things about it. It's so it's like, where, where's the, where does the fear come from? Well, I mean, listen, you know, the fear came from the drug war that they created. Like if you saw what they were doing in the sixties and the studies and, you know, the Timothy Leary's and et cetera. And, you know, and then, you know, early seventies drug war started and uh, you know, it's, you know, not to get too conspiracy theory on you or anything, but it's almost like I, I, I think back and they go, man, they, they were onto something with all these psychedelics and they were so afraid of people actually letting go of that ego you talk about, of opening up their minds, of connecting and caring about others, having more compassion, having more empathy, respecting your environment more. It's all these little things that it makes you want to do. And it, don't get me wrong, it does not take, I'm a very capitalistic guy at the end of the day because I work hard and I want to be able to provide a great life for my children. I swear to God, I don't mind saying that. I'm proud of that. People can fight that and maybe think I don't fit the sector for that, but no. Whenever people say about that, I was going to say yeah. this, is people don't understand even that the the, the, the the, the, the definition of capitalism is just how we go about allocating capital in our lives. It, it should not be an identity for anybody to, and I find it because I agree with you. A lot of people will judge that title, Yeah, but we are all capitalists by nature because everything we do in life is about allocating our energy or time or efforts or money or well, no matter what it is, we're, we're allocating something in our life to something else. So we're all capitalists. It's just how we choose to be a capitalist at the end of the day, I, I personally believe. Yeah. And listen, you know, I, I just like working hard to, you know, there you go. give, give my children hopefully a better life than I had, you know, like, and, 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 you know, maybe I'm selfish and thinking, you know, financial, uh, you know, ability to, to help make some decisions in life, like go on a great vacation or, you know, of course they're going to want to buy the next cool new shoes. You know, it just gives them a little bit of an opportunity while making sure they always work as hard as they can too, because that's all I've ever been brought up with and, and I'll never lose that with them. But, you know, so I think you can have this balance is what I'm getting at. I agree. And, 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 and I think that, um, you know, more people should be honest about that. And, and, you know, this is gonna, I'll be careful how I say this. <laughs> I even think within, you know, the pioneers in the sector and the advocates and, and you know, all those have been promoting usage and understanding it forever. And, 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 you know, even like the medical and scientific divisions who, who go and work hard and want to prove out theories, like, listen, yes, everyone ultimately wants to help humankind. I believe that's what we have in common. You want to try to figure out if this actually, you know, can help in a positive way for a mental health crisis and if it can be proven out to do so. But everyone, I really would say everyone, like, you know, there's very, very, very few people who say, well, I don't want to make a dime off that discovery either. You know, like, so... You know, it's really interesting to me because I think that um, some people who have been working in the space for, for some time and they're just because they didn't go public or didn't, you know, didn't, you know, yeah, go public being the main thing. Um, you know, people are making money off this stuff too. So, so there's, there's ways to do both. But, you know, we need, you know, I, I joke with Dan. I spoke to him a few weeks ago. I'm like, imagine if we gave, uh, you know, Biden and Trump. You know, in one of the debates, like you gave them both magic mushrooms or magic truffles. Like, like <laughs> what, how different would that debate sound? Yeah. Because it would. I, it, it, it would definitely be interesting. Although There'd be a lot more uh, slip-ups, I feel. If, the ego, if my ego barrier thing would, would hold up, I think there'd be a lot more slip-ups than real talk. Freudian well, slips, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I honestly believe it could figure out. It, it could help. I, you know, this I, I is, do. Again, this, I think it could help with creating compromise. And I yeah. think that's one thing in a very polarized world right now we're all trying to find because you, you feel so much happier when you can find some fair compromise where you go, you know what? I didn't get all I wanted, but it makes sense to me. And, it, and it right takes now two I don't people. It do it. Well, it takes now it takes two completely well, polarized always, different groups. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I'd like to think that there can be middle ground found 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, magic troubles are the answer to that, but I am saying that if you hang out with a, you know, your, your, your wife and you guys are bickering for a week or two and you both microdose that night, you, you'd be amazed how great that night is compared to the two weeks prior. I feel like it's a nice tool for people to do kind of like a comparable normal state based on how you've been fueled, how you've grown up, the, the, the different media sources, the different mindsets, the frameworks, the, the cultures. And then you take this and it kind of, I feel like a potential kind of drop all that and just allow you to just take things as are. And then you can kind of do like a comparison and see which one seems to be more clustered, less clustered, which one makes you happier, less angry. And it, it just, you know, like... Well, and you nailed it, man. Like the ego thing is the biggest thing, right? And by the way, like this is where I get a little bit ageist almost, right? Where, where, you know, as a 47-year-old who grew up without social media and, you know, made a life in media media. So understood that my ego and what I presented to the public with a microphone in front of my face, you know, which in a way is cowardly because, you know, I wasn't, you know, you didn't really have to see me or know me. It was a little bit of anonymity there. Um, is that, you know, I, I understood what it make, meant to make a living that way and having an opinion. But, you know, now, meaning you had to have an ego to do what I did. Like, you just had to do it to do that job. But You'd now, like to speak with, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was part of, the, you know, what But it's also you, confidence, you know, like there's... Yeah. 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 But, but now it's like with social media, everyone has to have this ego. Like, you have to amplify at the end of the day because you're like, what aren't I doing to get an audience where X person has that audience? So we're, we've become like really very self-indulgent. And it's, you know, as someone now with two kids, it's real. you know, my kid right now, like he works through the public education system because he's doing homeschooling because we're not, he's not going to school. He's just young. He, you know, he, he, it's a thing called Brightspace. It's like their platform in school. You know, so he's five years old. Daddy, we got to do this and post it on Brightspace. Like that's already part of their language, post it on. And, and I think, man, like that is self-indulgency. Like, you know, we have to put something somewhere and have someone view it and give us their feedback on it. If they don't give us their feedback, that's positive. Every little thing we do, well, then we're screwed. So getting back to, you know, what, what maybe this world can come together with is, you know, we got to be less self-indulgent because it's really frightening. It's re- we just got to, we got to feel at others. At the same I can, time. I can validate that with, if you look at the, our consumer market by nature, our debt load as an economy, it, it, it all kind of aligns. Oh, most indebted we've ever been, we're the biggest consumer market that's ever existed. We always want to show off. We have the biggest egos. Everybody knows everything. It, it all aligns the stars together, you know? And it's like the moment you take mushrooms, everyone seems to just not care about all those things anymore. Okay, something's odd now. You know, it's, it, it's like a little barrier. Just you take it and it helps you step onto another realm. Well, we're so irrelevant at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, like people worry about, you know, the, you know, the climate, you know, the climate change, climate change. And I get why people worry about that, but I can tell you, they don't worry about climate change. They worry about humans existing on the planet because that planet will outlast us without a doubt. Yeah. It's not about worrying about the planet, trees, rocks, water, all this kind of stuff, properties within it, elements. They will outlast human beings. They're not worried about, you know, I always laugh, climate change. No, you're worried about protecting humans on the planet. You're not worried about the earth. You're worried about yourself living on the earth. (laughs) They don't forget that most of the planet is all water. So worst case, we destroy the outside. So where there's the oxygen in terms of the land, but underneath the planet could just submerge itself again and kind of destroy everybody and it'll just go right it's existed billions of years humanity uh, we haven't even tested close to that and neither has civilization so it's like for us to assume that we're going to destroy something that's that's existed far longer than anybody else. but again we want to be sustainable as a culture as a people so understanding how to connect with others falls in the premise of microdosing with mushrooms you know it's how to open up to others so we can work together how we can be more syn- uh, synergetic so we have a more balanced ecosystem the more balanced we are, the more sustainable we are, the, the further along we can drive us forward without having massive consequences that keep compounding as they are. It's like everything just keeps getting worse. And how do you tolerate this eternal optimist right here? Like, how can you? <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's, it's a funny story because Nick and I actually met at a, I think it was Ianthus. It was an event. Yeah, exactly. And like, you just meet somebody, you hit it off. It's the same thing. I feel like with Todd, it was the same thing with you. It was just like, you know, you, you, you get it. You know, like some people, I don't know. But to, to Nick's point, like, it is an interesting world right now because you are talking about the amplification of ideas, the amplification of opinions, right? And it's, it's coming at such a faster speed now, right? So where's the threshold? 
where's where 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 do people kind of like pull back and just say wait i gotta take a step back and just say whoa let's but, let's breathe I, here <laughs> right and, and, and but really like what's the payoff you know so so one of the things i i try to do you know, I used to, you know, be a very opinionated person within, within radio because I had the payoff was, was a salary and, you know, like, and, you know, and, 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 you know, having a lot of fun, like, you know, like free, free bottle service at clubs. Like there was a payoff there. Like, I'm not going to lie. He's being honest. The added, the added, the added, the added value. Those are added little added values. <laughs> and, uh, and in a way alternative revenue streams, cause I wasn't spending money. So, you know, like it was like, there was a payoff and, and I all, I often wonder like, on social media right now where, where, you know, and I'll use you, Dan, as an example, you know, Dan, obviously being very conservative leaning. And if you follow his Instagram, you know, what I like about it is, is, you know, especially for someone who tries to find some middle ground more within politics. But what I like about you is like, it's a consistent message. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, you at least being very open and very honest in a day and age where especially being a conservative supporter is hard to be that way. And, and so I respect it immensely. And I, and, you know, for me, I look at you and go, well, you know, Dan's payoff is him being true to himself, or I think so many people aren't anymore. And, and I get that. And then I just look at, you know, other people, they're just like, you know, they, they take a cause and they post about it or they take this and, you know, without wanna, fully understanding it too. Right. They, just, they, yeah, they, there's no, they just doing it no to, consistency. To, 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 and, and, yeah, there's, and they're piling on into just what is popular at the moment. And if their payoff is just for, Oh wow, people will accept me. Well, you know, to me, that's that's sort of a sad payoff because the payoff I would like to think is, well, what makes me unique? You know, what makes me special? And and by the way, can that uniqueness and specialness, you know, maybe translate into a job or or a writing gig or a or you know or or a podcast that gets successfully downloaded and 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 you know can can you know eventually get marketing and and uh, uh, you know uh, revenues like you know ad revenues. So you know it, this this sort of just message on message on message, which is almost the same you see on social media. I just don't get why people do it, other than the fact that I think they just want acceptance, and I kind of think that's sad because I feel like most people don't think for themselves because of that. It's a very it's, honest. It's a very honest opinion. First of all, I appreciate the compliment. I think that is important too, but um, we are entering this sort of new world, so to speak, where an entire population or an entire generation is just being force fed these ideas that kind of just make them think a certain way. And like at the same time, I find we're kind of veering away from what actually is the potential of every single individual, right? So like, for example, Nick's the same thing. Like he posts consistently about economics and like micro, you know, microeconomic theory, honest thing. And he's always consistent about it. And he doesn't care about that too. You're like that as well. I'm sure prior to, you know, being the CEO. I'm of careful America, now. I'm not going to. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. You have an image. I get it. It's yeah. part of nature when you, especially when you get in the equity game, it's there's a new image that has to be formed and you have to abide by certain rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and sorry to interrupt with that being said, you know, I will say one of the things I take a lot of pride in, you know, out of the, I think I did like 1200 Sirius XM shows. I kind of forget the number now. I, I was very, very, as a media member, I was very good at giving, you know, a lot of, you know, like le le left, lefts, you know, uh, any airtime they wanted and right rights, any airtime yeah. they wanted. It wasn't just like any narrative because, you know, most importantly, I, you know, as someone who likes to find compromise, compromise, believe it or not, I, I, most importantly, I like, there's two things in life I like to do. I like to, I like to, well, three things <laughs> like, you know, I'm married. So two things um, <laughs> I like to, I like to, I like to learn and I like to laugh. Mm. And, and I, I just feel like people aren't opening up their mind to learning because learning is about hearing opposing views. Uh, you know, learning is about hearing facts that maybe no one presented to you in the, you know, before um, and then kind of formulating your own opinion within that. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, being able to laugh. And by the way, being able to laugh with people you agree with or disagree with, being able to, you know, laugh with someone who is a completely different political leaning towards you. But you know what? They tell the same joke. You know, let's have a laugh at that. Just because they think something different doesn't mean I can't laugh with them. And this is what I'm most afraid of with, with the way that, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, this this polarized nature right now. It's scary to me, this, the, the extremes. It's I think that what you're talking about is like um, I, I, re I reference it to as a, a point of equilibrium. So you, you know, you're, you're, it make things are making sense. You're moving around the mean, you deviate a bit, you come back, you deviate, you come back and you add whenever you can. But now you're seeing people, you're seeing outliers and these outliers keep bringing more people outside and outside and just, and it, there's more chaos. 
And then just that chaos is compounding and growing. So you, you know what helps me think this way is one microdosing, you know, where 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 I was gonna know. say, like there's there's opportunity, right? That's it, it's a well, tool. It's a, this is a this it, is a useful tool. It, it you know, again, I won't make any medical claims, <laughs> but it's helped me. And but the other thing that's helped me is is being a parent. And you know, you you see how you you try to whether it's like reprimand a child or how you see a child as my kids scream in the background, you might be able to hear. It's um, or or how like imagine if if adults, the way we're acting on Twitter, acted that way in a classroom. Like no one would have any of it. Like you, you would have a teacher that would, you know, slap, you know, at whatever just posted that. Not slap, like, 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 uh, you know, on the slap, uh, you know, like. Uh, We're going like, back to like the 80s right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know why, like when I, I, what was the word I was, I didn't even mean that. Anyway, you know, they would, they would talk to them in a way, slap. They would, they would talk to them in a way that would be like, hey, you can't treat X person like this. And X person can't treat you like this. You do need to work. Yeah. You, yeah. You need to work this out, you know, or, or you'll be reprimanded somehow. And uh, you know, and, and it's, I just think, why don't we do that with people who are, who, who aren't, people are so vicious, man, is what I'm getting at. Online, I mean, especially more than ever before, because it's the, again, I think this all fuels within this realm of like, people disconnecting from reality and we're in this bubble, you know, since the, the, the debt, the consumerism, all that stuff. And then you look at it, it's like, well, social media fuels this illusionary reality where it's like you can be whoever you want and not really face the consequences because you don't have to reflect who you are in reality in this, real, in this realm. So it's like you, everybody foregoes the analysis of cost opportunity. There's a cost to how people behave. There's a cost to what things huh. we do. So it's like, but normally we do that in real life. But the moment we step onto this virtual world, like they do with the monetary system now, they just, it's, it becomes fairy dust. It just, it goes into a whole new spectrum of characteristics. I forget who it was though. Mike Tyson actually said it, I think a few weeks back. He goes, social media has given a voice to a lot of people that if you showed up in person, you'd get your ass handed to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the quote was, but it was something along those lines. And I was like, I, like, like, yeah, I punched you in the face. You yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no more of that fear, especially since now we've got, well, you can't, it's funny when people do something that whatever they've done has no consequences because they immediately get protected. It, it, people have to feel pressure in life for them to do the right thing. If this, you feel I like, no pressure, <laughs> go ahead. No, it's this is a great conversation. This is a really <laughs> interesting conversation. And, and you know, again, I'm trying to be so careful with my words now. But you know, I think I'll relate. I'll, I'll, I'll just to piggyback off what you're saying is I'll relate it to me being in the radio where we, you know, we were encouraged to say outlandish things, you know, that that's what was the separator and differentiator, you know, which got us, you know, big audience share. But while you did that, there was like a line and then they like, you could go over the line, but we also knew what that other line was, which was the cancel line. Like, like you just knew. So you're like, we're not going near the cancel line. Like that was, you know, that, that was reinforced. So, you know, you were told to be the best of the bad, but you also were, you know, you know, made sure that, you know, you also knew where not to go. Meaning no one is coaching anyone anymore where not to go. So, it, it, and by the way, if there are people who are supporting others to go wherever they want to go, I'm under the belief that we'll come back to haunt them one day. Yes. Like, it, like, you know, I agree. You, you, I agree. You, totally. you can't, you can't just go and attack anyone because they're from a different party or a different, you know, anything than you. Um, you, you there's gotta be a way to do it with Kuth. You know, there's gotta be a way to do it with, with, you know, at least being somewhat, you know, I get, you can be, you can be, I guess mean spirit is the word, but you can't go over that line. And, and everyone goes, seems to go over the line these days. And I just don't know what, again, What's the payoff? Why do they want to do that? So someone likes or retweets them? Is that all it is? There's no pressure. I, I really think that it's people have to, it's back to the education part. It, people need to understand how to reflect themselves. It's, you know, like back to the equilibrium point where you need to kind of be able to have different conversations with different types of people, no matter what it is, and know when to indulge more because they have something you can work with or to step back. But without making things worse that point of equilibrium and then oh man what was i going with this <laughs> uh, he needs a he needs a micro dose right now <laughs> no but okay but basically that you know people need to find a way to put 50 percent of themselves on the rea on the virtual world 50 percent of reality 50 percent of themselves at the same time be 50 percent of understanding other people it, it, it's a half and half with everything you're doing 
And I think that's, that's really important, by the way. To, and the to shrooms could kind of break that barrier and allows you to be fluid between deep, every angle. This is logical speculation right now, which is yeah, weird. But, but I get what you're saying, though. It's, it's totally but that's exactly it's coming down because of when, like I write, you know, so I like I like to dabble in psychology and how it relates to economic variables. So because everything is a social entity at the end of the day, a business is a social entity, people are social entities, sure. uh, governments are social entities, it's all made up of people. But yet somehow each entity seems to have different types of frameworks, which frameworks, you know, have better patterns, which don't, which ones are more chaotic, which ones then it gets reflected in the other ones. So you start looking at these things and it's, it's crazy when at the end of the day, it's like when people, when people, most people who have all these great, crazy opinions, they take shrooms it's easy to have a conversation after with you and it's easy for me to convince you after. Or you want to smoke weed, you smoke it. Then it's like, wow, the conversation went from being impossible to a fantastic conversation, even though at the end you still disagree with me. And what do you got? And that's that 50-50. It's that back and forth. I was just, I was just going to say like, it, it is part of that too. I'm, I'm more business oriented, but yeah. I you know, I, I just, you know, anytime there's challenges like this, right? Everyone's got what we're talking about, like the barrier of like, everyone's so deep into social media. How do we break that? Um, there's opportunity in that. Maybe microdosing is that opportunity. I know it's probably going to be talked about all of this decade. This ne these next 10 years, we're going to see some crazy stuff. Everything's going to change much faster than most people wanted, right? I think, well, I think, think about it as more people are going to gain knowledge over time you know, there's over 7 billion people on this planet earth and, more, and i'm pretty sure only a tiny fracture people even know what mushrooms are what they even do so wait 50 years wait a century it's just this is only the beginning of a i'll go back to the story concept because it's it's just the beginning of a brand new story even though it really has a long history but from a civilized kind of cultural perspective this is kind of seems to be the start of that conversation yeah, I, I listen uh, at the end of it all, it's, you know, we, that's the neat part about what we're doing. And I think what anyone's doing now is your access to information. And that to me is that, you know, if you were to look at at least the good of what the internet has done, you know, there's so many ways. And, you know, I try to, I try to practice this now, you know, you get caught scrolling and looking and, you know, what, you know, uh, you're mad, you type something and you don't say it or whatever, but, or you do say it and you're like, Oh, why did I say that? And, you know, imagine if you spent that time, you know, using it to learn about things, you know, the, the access to information is amazing. And listen, I don't need to make this all about, you know, microdosing or truffles or anything. We could talk about any topic. I could care less, you know, for, you know, go and Google alcohol and the results of alcohol, by the way, you know, go and go and read what, you know, the World Health Organization says about alcohol contributes to over 3 million deaths per year. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, you know, go and read more about what you're consuming and putting in your body as I put it in my body. But, <laughs> but you know, like this is what I'm saying. There's there's so much access to information. And I don't know why people are getting so addicted to just learning these quick 24-hour news cycle posts about things as opposed to actually ending up with something with substance. And, you know, I've always been, and, you know, I'd like to say not that I'm like, you know, some guy you're going to go and Google net worth and go, wow, he's worth that or anything. But, you know, I'd like to say that I attribute my success to always want to, like wanting to surround myself around people who are, who are brighter than me. And I got to be honest, most of that time I gauge that brightness on net worth, you know, <laughs> and, why? Because it, but it's a combination. It's net worth through hard work though. Of course, you know, exactly. Not just hand. I agree money. with that. And, and I love being around people with hard, who, who've worked hard to achieve things. You know why? Because they have examples of that success of what they've gone through of grinding it out, the knowledge, the book they read, the turning point, the, you know, the, the great little nugget of information one of their mentors gave them that they now so happy to pass down to you. And, and people need to start surrounding themselves around with people who are brighter than them because it is amazing what you can learn from that and then benefit off of it. It's for the free. pressure. I think it's the pressure component of being around people that you want to emulate and compete with. That's how I perceive it. You know, so it's that pressure. Who's who right now for you is sort of that one guy that you're or one gal that you're looking at and saying, this is a great teammate. I want to learn from this and let's build something. Who's like that one person right now? Oh, well, that's a really interesting question. Like, a, like personally, listen, I, I just, I've, I, I'm so blessed to know some like really, really successful people who, who, and, and I think it's cause I've always been like kind of an outgoing talkative guy. I worked in radio. So, you know, I mean, the doors opened up for me a little easier, but you know, like for instance, not that, that I'm, I, I, I'm, you know, friends with him to the point where we talk every day. 
Um, but you know, someone who I could call up and, and just learn from, which I have in the past, or he would have been on my radio show in the past, you know, CEO of Canada Goose, a guy like Danny Reese, you know, here's a guy who, who, you know, is friendly to me. You know, I go, you know, I, I you know, I go to his Christmas parties, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I just sit there and listen. They just, you know, they think differently. Like, how do you grow a company that was around forever, then make it like, you know, in this billion dollar market cap? Or, you know, for example, you know, Bruce Linton, the chair of my advisory board on Red Light Holland. Like, here's a guy who, of course, had his ups and downs, successes and failures. But at the end of the day, like, what did it take to get Canopy Growth to worth a $15 billion market cap at one point? You know, like, to learn and not be intimidated by people, how they got there. And by the way, um, you know, it's not to say that, you know, again, Canopy Growth has fallen since then, since he's gone away. But, you know, it's so the there journey. Mistakes- there's still a lesson from the journey. And, and learn from them. You know, there's another individual I know, Josh Crum. You know, everyone should go and Google Josh Crum. Like, here's a guy who speaks to about gold and Bitcoin. He talks to the UN. He, like, sits on panels in New York with some of the top experts. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, I'll go out for a beer with. You know, just pick his brain on things. Uh, there, there's, you know, Ann Barnes is another lady. She's on, my, she's on my board of directors. Like, I purposely built the Red Light Holland team around success, actually. That, that's exactly what I did from all different sectors of life. Ann Barnes got the first ever medical license for cannabis under her, uh, her company for Peace Naturals. She's on my board of directors, Brad Lamb. Amazing. You know, Brad Lamb, his net worth is something you could probably Google and be like, wow, here's a developer. He you know, started off as a small realtor, understood that you know, believed in the real estate market, you know, then got into development. And, and you know, success, Russell Peters, another guy, comedian, started off in small town Brampton took a tiny little comedy guy who was just playing yuck yucks. That was his big gig to, you know, selling out stadiums all over the world. He, he was his own product, but you know, that's why Russell's aboard. Like, how did you take this little guy in one little city in the whole world? And then now all of a sudden everyone recognizes you everywhere with over like 10 million people within Facebook, Instagram, and, and uh, Twitter, you know, that takes more, years, by the way, that most takes people, time. that <laughs> takes years. Everyone only sees the tip of the iceberg, right? Oh, and then they think, oh, I could do that too tomorrow. And then they give up. And it's just like, dude, it doesn't work like that. Dan, I love that you said that. Don't give up, people. They did. It does not happen overnight. And of course, by the way, wow, we're getting deep here. I should have my <laughs> um, No, because, because that's the other problem with social media is everyone looks, we always follow the ones who are the most successful without knowing them. So we just want to achieve that post of the Ferrari or that cool, you know, uh, slick white couch on a patio with an infinity pool. Like, you know, so we want that, but we don't know how they got it. And a lot of them were handed it to them, but a lot, I got news, you worked really yeah. hard to get there. And if it wasn't them, it was probably their parents and they're just milking them off, off their parents. It, it, the, data, the data shows that most wealth has taken 30, 40 years to accumulate, especially in the last 50 years. So it's like, you can't, especially millennials who somehow are very, very upset that they have to work 20 years, 30 years before they accumulate something. It's like, well, this is the first time in history where someone ever talks like that. As never as, as that I have never seen that. I feel like my grandparents who came over from Italy, who came in through Nova Scotia and helped build the railway, staying up north in Quebec here in the cold, would have would have slapped me across my face talking as if I I, I don't I can just get whatever I want nowadays. I, I feel like I'm disrespecting my ancestors when the people are behaving this way as a generation. So Listen, it is, don't it get is me deep. started on entitlement. This, you know, <laughs> like this is a wild concept for me. And and by the way, I think it's a boring existence if you don't work hard for things. Like oh, I, I, I just I, I 100% agree. But with production, that. the yeah. game. There's in the in economic philosophy. There's a there's a purpose that says that life is basically the same principle of economics. It's that your your life is to produce, consume, and allocate resources. In life, you 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 work, you make money, you you try to find love, you try to find friends, you try to have a house you try to eat you try to give value to other people you, you try to keep make money you try to keep money over the long term it, it, it's just a game of resource so it, it, and people are not playing that game or at least somehow they think that everything is f- infinite and then you realize well reality is finite you just you have to work for things to get it and that's and i think that's where people really appreciate something is when they work for it which is why then again you look at most people that just win money they lose it why? Because they never understood what it is to work and produce something and then to keep it after, which is why most end up losing their money. And, and listen, and, and then there's the, you know, the, uh, I'll be careful, but, you know, <laughs> just 
I, 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 the only thing I would implore individuals is don't blame people for their success, you know, and then try to use it for, I think that's a form of, of uh, subconscious projection though. Right. Yeah. I, I know we're getting really deep here, but I, yeah. think, I think that's what it is. Right. Interesting. Well, like expand on that though. So, you know, like it's the easy thing to say. It's yeah. like that one meme where it's like, okay, the guys made it to the top. And then you've got Moby Dick and Harry at the bottom pointing up and saying, oh, look, I could do that too. That's easy. But it's like, dude, you didn't even put in the work. What are you talking about? Have you done the work? So what they do is they're actually projecting onto themselves something that they didn't actually been able to achieve because they haven't done it yet. And I think that's a deep rooted unconscious belief in most people, right? And yeah, and, and it'll, I think you can say, because then you, when you look at it, it's like, well, most people now, because of social media, because of short-term consumerism, people see the output of 30 years of development, but then they don't go look at the storyline and kind of contextualize the pain and the journey that it took to create that. And then it's like, well, now we're jealous, but why are you jealous? It's like, they've earned it. Respect with the, oh. allow them to enjoy what they've done for themselves. Exactly. You guys are bright guys. I really like talking to you. And, and you know, the other thing is... <sighs> People don't know what, you know, just because someone's successful financially, like you don't know if someone within their family suffering from cancer, if their child's sick, if, if, you know, there was a loss in their, like you, their you child don't know their heart. Yeah. You don't know their hardships either. Just because they're not whining about them on social media, you know, and using that to their advantage. Like, you know, you know people have hardships. You know, I don't, I don't care, you know, where you're from, you know, hardships is a part of life. You know, there's not one perfect family out there and, and there's not, you know, one perfect, you know, path to success. So, you know, try to think about what those hurdles and hardships were for people. Uh, and, and, you know, may, maybe, maybe you'd be more empathetic to, to them as well before you just ripped into someone that you don't know, because by the way, they could be going through a really difficult time right at that time that they received a tweet that was basically crushing you for no reason. You never met that person, talk to them and then judge. And by the way, if they were handed everything in their life and you know, they come from a totally terrible, ignorant family and stuff, well then yeah, rip into them for sure. <laughs> but you know, if they were hardworking, you know, immigrant family like yours, Nick's, or, you know, listen, like, you know, my ancestors survived the Holocaust to get here. Um, and, 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 you know, I've seen all they were taught to was work, you know, and trust yeah. me, it was not easy and work at young ages. Um, and, and, you know, I just respected that so much. You know, I, I, I don't want to let my ancestors down. For, there's a really funny yeah. quote, by the way, I got to bring this up. I was reading this article in the LA times, typical exploitive article where they interviewed Cassie David, who is Larry David's daughter. Okay. Um, and she did, she dated Pete Davidson who's like, of course, like one of the, you know, the big celebs right now. And he is, you know, he's called what he was pretty funny guy, I guess. And, and anyway, so they dated. And then basically what happened was like, they went through this breakup. She wasn't sure if it was right. And then she actually wanted to get back with him. And then he, he, he dumped her. He said, no, you gave me that moment of, you know, to get out. I got out. And then he got engaged to Ariana, Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande yeah. So she was then like losing it. And she listened, it was actually kind of heartfelt. She talks about the anxiety she suffers through and you neuroses and all this kind of stuff. But you know, she was, she was, her father had to, had to hold her on a, on a plane ride or something. Cause she was in such disarray that, that, you know, a Pete Davidson would never come back to her. And Larry's response to her was our ancestors survived the Holocaust. Like <laughs> get it together. Like oh, that's what he said to his daughter. It's See, like, I'm afraid. It, yeah, go ahead. Then. I was just going to say, it's like when the lockdown started, everyone was like panicking and it's just like, what are you panicking about you've got your sweatpants you got netflix you got a yeah, TV, exactly you got uber eats on your phone what are you complaining about you that's know? really interesting that's really it's i find it i find it i find it a little scary because of the fact that again being a millennial seeing the way we're growing up as a generation kind of like our disconnect and that somehow we have to not put pressure on children or put pressure on people and if we are afraid of that pressure are we going to then do that to the next biggest um, collective generation after boomers? Like we're just going to keep spiraling towards um, a worse outlook because of things of that nature. We protect ourselves too much. We've, we've bubbled ourselves in this there's human no bubble. There's no risk taking. No. And then the children, well, no, you don't have to work. You just go to school. School, you're just with friends. Then it's like, you don't have to experience reality. You don't have to get challenged. You know, it's like, it, it, we're not put in a world where we have to really experience and challenge things that pressures our mindset, that pressures our feelings, that 
makes us understand what losing and winning is and why we want to win, but also doing it in a way that respects other people. Where, where I'll be careful with that statement, though, and, and, and not to say, Nick, you're now a part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you, using the term the world, be careful how you say that, because it's not the world. It really is. Yes. OK, I agree with that. I, okay, part, I, like, I agree. You know, very, like America, Canada, politically yes. correctness, like there is a lot of this world that is not following any of these kind of, you know, put on your kid gloves and everything's yes. got to be protected. Like the world is still a pretty nasty yes, place. Yes. And if anything, being a parent to young children, what, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I think there are certain things that they need to be, you know, uh, uh, known, you know, and grown up more cautiously than I was. Um, but I also think that they got to be prepared what was still out there. And, and, and it, it is, you know, just because you see your friends or your, you know, when they get on online or what their parents are saying online on their Facebook, you know, chats and everything, um, that's not, if we were to take sample sizes is not representative of the population. No, you're right. No, no, no. My bad. When I was talking, I was really yeah. just more in terms of my surrounding as a, as a, an Italian in North America and being part of Canadian, but heavily correlated to the fact that the United States has a heavy impact on how we behave in Canada as well. So my statement was very much in terms of the Western developed world. So more, a little more European to an extent and heavy North America. I, yeah, I was really more, my, my, I was really going more about those things. No, and I totally understood it. And, 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 you know, I'll, I'll sort of end it on this cause it's so serious, but <laughs> um, the neat thing about, about being a parent, especially in, in this day and age. And, you know, listen, I think a lot of people, you know, you parent in a way your instincts are to parent how you were parented. Like that's part of your instinct, I think. And, and what I love, and my wife has really helped me with this, um, and I'm still not great at it, is listening more. Like actually listening to my five-year-old more. Like listening to what his thought process is before I'm just reacting towards the way I think he should maybe be punished in the moment or, you know, me just telling him what to do. And it, it, it is amazing that this is one thing I think that's important with younger generations. And by the way, look at, look at the success of, of so many of these companies, whether you love them or hate them, you know, whether it's, you know, Facebook or, or Twitter, like, you know, these, these, these are very young individuals for that type of net worth that usually didn't happen. Um, so, you know, listen to people, I, you know, older generations should listen to younger generations mm -hmm. and younger generations need to listen to older Again, generations. 50, 50, 50, 50, well, 50 right? point of equilibrium, and, and, point of equilibrium. But, but man, it's gotta come. Don't lose the hard work. And then, and then, you know, for older generations, just because you worked hard doesn't mean you can't listen to someone's opinion that is different than yours, because guess what? They're much more savvy than you are with, you know, these, again, one quick quote, Mark Cuban just tweeted, I think it was yesterday. He talked about reading patterns. Basically, he basically said for his children, he, you know, he's not going to tell them how to read the way he used to like books, encyclopedias. He's a well-read guy. This is how he understands business models. He reads business books. He goes, my kids are just going to basically read short form, you know, curt messages that that's kind of how they, you know, that that's their way of speaking now. And yeah. my big joke about that is we've come full circle. You know, we used to, uh, you know, the earliest forms of communication were posting, uh, well, posting were, were drawing on like cave drawings. Mm -hmm. That was the yeah. early, and now we're doing emojis. Like we've literally just it's gone back in like prehistoric <laughs> times. It's crazy though. It's, it, yeah. but you're right. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is like the speed of everything. Now, everything is just accelerated now too. So, I mean, it's a crazy world, but there's opportunity everywhere. Right. Well, and you won't get it unless you're very lucky from for free or if you just work hard work hard i think that's the message here microdose and work hard is that the message <laughs> <laughs> todd man thanks so much for coming on we're gonna fun. we we're, we're gonna get you back on here for sure once everything's a little bit more uh maybe everyone's more microdosing more often than now right uh, well, we're, we're years away from doing it legally in this country. Although, you know what, I will say they, they did give it for compassionate grounds. It, you know, the, the health minister gave it to, and it was beautiful. It's really awesome for terminally ill patients. Uh, they've allowed uh, the use of magic mushrooms. Um, and listen, that was the path of cannabis back in 2001. That's exactly how cannabis started. They gave it for compassionate grounds for end of care patients to help with their anxiety towards, you know, very sadly their end of life. Uh, and, and look where we're at now. So, um, you know, and I think the, you could apply the, um, kind of like an exponential, uh, momentum on that. So like, because of the momentum that we kind of created, I think that it'll help propel it forward at a faster rate than you would have assumed would have happened with marijuana. Coupled with those social movements. I, exactly. I would say that is a big potential for sure. 
Very no. true. Sure. That, Todd, that's how that's how I would align yeah. my horizon for that. Yeah. Where 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 can they find you, Todd? Give us give us your IG. Where where can the listeners sure. find you? This is this is where like after this is the best like, part was, though. Yeah, I know because everyone thinks like well, you know that guy's kind of bright actually. Like can't yeah, wait well, he's the CEO. I, I kind of like his brain. <laughs> I am Toddy Tickles. What? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. am Toddy Tickles on Instagram. It's an old radio name. I stuck with it. I should probably change it. But uh, <laughs> listen, I'm I'm. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I would do much of what I did in my past, but I would never take it back either. So, you know, that that's what it is. You wouldn't be where you're at if you didn't experience that too, right? Exactly. Upstairs yeah. with a wife and two kids yelling them to get downstairs for dinner. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Todd, man, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. We're going to see you soon for sure. Stay Thank you, Dan. Everybody. Thank you, Nick. Okay. Everybody, have a great care. week. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.